Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard, and welcome to the One Giant Mind podcast. In this episode, I speak with Leslie Hoffman, who's the president of the New York Open Center, which is a not-for-profit that offers hundreds of programs across holistic health, personal development, professional advancement here in New York City. I was very honored to have her in a conversation, and she posed the question, you know, how am I perceiving the shift in the relationship to personal development, holistic health, across the generations from the boomers all the way through to millennials. It was a really great opportunity to reflect on, you know, what's at the heart of this shift in relationship to all of these things that we're witnessing in the world right now. I have lived in New York for 18 months. Um, I moved here from British Columbia, uh, Vancouver, Canada. I run a holistic center here in New York City called the New York Open Center. Hmm. It's been in New York City for 34 years. We're in a big transition ourselves. One of the challenges of running a holistic center is that, you know, 1984, when we were founded 34 years ago, uh, meditation and yoga and human potential were revolutionary concepts, particularly in New York City. And today they're ubiquitous. You know, I have five meditation apps and I actually have a building where you can come meditate and I use the apps, yours included. We're also at an unparalleled time because of social media. You know, from the time I came in today, the news cycles have changed so much. Uh, war, peace, love, ideas, it just, it's exploded. We live at a time where we have four generations actively consuming this information and living it in various degrees. We have senior boomers, we have boomers, we have Generation X, we have millennials, and we have whatever we're calling this next generation who are deeply, deeply involved as as evidenced by the students in Parkland. Mm -hmm. Um, So my question to you is, what do you make of the generational shift in in, – just in in our world today and as as it relates to the spirit and and finding our way the shift from boomers to well gen I, x I, to millennial which which part of it well i suspect from my position in being in the holistic industry there was a time not in in my recent memory where mostly boomers were talking about going to retreats and sitting on their seats and and traveling to find their gurus their teachers um and that has radically changed in the last 10 years where right. and uh all of these different generations are responding uh and and it's not enough to go seek help by the medical traditional communities, traditional means. So um, I guess it is a shift from the boomers to the other generations, but just even in the mindset of the population to uh, being open to these things. Okay. So as it relates to um, meditation and holistic practices that unfold human potential. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's my perspective that there is a shift that's massive. And we're seeing that printed out in culture and the, the way in which tech is utilized to proliferate knowledge and tools that are designed to unfold human potential in a convenient way. <laughs> mm-hmm. What I observe is 
that that shift taking place for sure. The uh, the big question, I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, is what you're asking is why mm-hmm. are we seeing a shift mm-hmm. rather than what are we seeing? Mm-hmm. I think the what is probably quite self-evident, right? You know, where before it was people <laughs> going to India to find their gurus, mm-hmm. and now it's going to the app store and testing out three different versions of various apps to see which one suits my branding, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Relates to my, my sensibility. Um, and if I don't answer your question, you can by all means interject. The why um, for me is pretty simple. It is that we have reached a point where we've recognized the unsustainability of denying our suffering. I think that we only have a certain capacity, a threshold for, for discomfort and suffering. And when I mean that as well, it's, it, that is, within that includes the witnessing of the suffering of others. Mm. I think that we know as a human race that something's not right here. Something's terribly wrong. And I think we've known it for a long time. And yet we've kind of, we bought into this idea of, well, it's just the way it is. There's war, there's famine, there is social injustice, there's discrimination, there's, um, you know, violence, there's domestic violence, there's corruption. That's the way the world is, you know, through the 80s and 90s, 70s, 80s and 90s, maybe even 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s. I mean, I can't. Haven't can't really comment on what was happening so much before then, but there's enough historical media for us to kind of get a sense that, you know, well, that's just the way it is, you know? Mm-hmm. I think at some point a critical mass awoke from the delusion <laughs> that this was somehow acceptable and okay and that everything that's going on on the planet is okay. We saw, you know, the global popularization of recycling, for example, the uh, uh, abolishing the use of CFCs globally. And, you know, this is just from an environmental perspective. We sort of woke up and went, oh, my God, we're destroying the environment. We need to change our ways. And, And then I think that that moved from oh, we're, we're cutting down the forests, we're polluting the oceans. And there was a massive emergence globally of a social conscience acting. And then as we have persisted <laughs> with all of that, what we've realized is, oh, saving the environment is not really going to liberate humanity. <laughs> what's, the, what's the common factor in all of these problems? Humanity, (laughs) (laughs) humanity itself. And I think that in the same way that we awoke from the collective delusion that we can't just abuse the planet like we've been, exploit resources like they're unending, you know, that they're finite now. There's a, there's a, an understanding that the resources on the earth now are finite and we need to be sparing with the way in which we use them and exploit them. I think from the, in, in that next phase, realizing that the, it's the human 
element that's making all the problems. That it drew us, at least a critical mass of us, into a deeper state of self-reflection. Questioning, why am I here? What's this all about? What's the point? And then it, it caused a big movement of people to sort of go, okay, well, the Western mentality is not serving us. Let's look to the East. Mm. And I think, you know, in the, in the 60s, 70s and 80s, there was a massive movement. You know, lots of really fascinating documentaries coming out now about all these charismatic spiritual leaders coming out from the East and creating these massive movements and some very successful and some <laughs> not so successful. And then as the, you know, a vast majority of the population sort of integrated these practices, they become somewhat normalized and integrated into mainstream society, which I think was the reason why yoga, yoga asana, the practice of moving the body became so popular because it matched up with our need to look good, to be fit, <laughs> but it kind of had a little bit of spiritual something in there. You know, it's kind of like spiritual exercise that caused it to, to take off, I think. And then as our global situation has intensified, which I don't think anybody will argue that it has, and it continues to do rapidly, according to the statistics, last year was apparently was the lowest level of mental health that the United States has ever seen on record. So, you know, there's clearly something not right here that's going on. And I think that, you know, people are just awakening to the unsustainability of that. And because things like yoga have become very popular and they are connected to meditation and other, other practices that um, are about us turning our attention inward, taking responsibility for what's going on and reflecting on how we can personally become empowered to make the change that we want to see in our lives. You know, there is a, a very special set of circumstances right now that we could label as being terrible and bad. But the reality is that humanity doesn't appear to really want to change um, prospectively by choice. We seem to kind of get our butts into gear when, we're, when our backs are against the wall and we're in crisis mode. Then we kind of go, oh, okay, at the 11th hour, we pull our finger out and we kind of do something about it. <laughs> and it just seems to be that this is going to be the case. You know, that we need the, the, the sufficient amount of pressure to form the diamond, if you like, that is going to illuminate or radiate the light that we need to see that we are the answer to the world's problems as individuals and that governments are administrators of that collective will and we only need to coordinate our collective will, get on the same page about, you know, what needs to happen here. And... And so I think that, you know, all of these practices and things that are uh, becoming really popular now, meditation, all these holistic practices, they're introduced in a much different context than what they would have traditionally been, you know, for spiritual enlightenment. Mm -hmm. People aren't necessarily reflecting on spiritual enlightenment right now, despite the fact that I, I, th I think that that's what they're after. Mm -hmm. That's the end game. That's But the context in which all of this stuff is being reintroduced in a modern context is about how we how we survive this next mm -hmm. <laughs> very precarious phase of our of our existence and it's precarious because 
there's never been so many people on the planet with so much power to do so much harm. Because <laughs> it doesn't take much to do a lot of harm now. One person, one computer can make a big old mess in this world. Have a thousand people with a thousand computers and you've got more power than all of the armies that have ever existed on the planet <laughs> ever in history in those thousand people. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I mean, I think at any at no other time the level of anxiety that we see in these past few years across the generations is just so intense. It's mm. palpable. Mm. Um, are we effective, do you feel, in in getting the information out to people that meditation is a way? I mean, I, I find that with us, it's the words we use because the spiritual enlightenment that, that was of the mm. past, which would mm. draw people in. Uh, it doesn't resonate with people that are trying to survive today, particularly yeah. of the younger generation. So are yeah. we being effective in meeting the needs of people, understanding that uh, it, it does come from within? Um, mm. to I think some are far more effective than others. Um, and uh, I think everything has its place and all language has its place to, to suit the many levels and needs and whatever. I don't necessarily think that everybody should be trying to cater for the masses and go to scale, you know, <laughs> because that's a very trendy thing. I think there's great value in having niche um, lineage perspectives that really cater towards people that are ready for that level of insight and knowledge. And I don't think that there is one size fits all, nor should there be. We don't, we, we mustn't homogenize this knowledge. And the knowledge must appropriate itself relative to the culture and the need of that culture in that time. Um, the second we start imposing a sort of one size fits all sort of spiritual worldview, we move into very, very dangerous territory. And that's the case with a political worldview or a medical worldview or a scientific worldview or anything, you know, like we need diversity of voice and expression as well. And so I believe we're doing a bloody great job considering the level of ignorance and denial that is entrenched in our, in our culture and our society. I think that there are so many organizations and individuals that are making such headway in penetrating that ignorance and, and making the proposition of sitting with yourself for a moment, connecting with the reality of what you're feeling and experiencing, processing that, taking responsibility for it, and sitting with the discomfort despite all the challenges that are happening in your life. Yeah, I know you're stressed. Now I want you to sit and really feel it. <laughs> That's what we're selling, right? It's a hard sell for a lot of people. And I believe that there are so many people out there that are doing an extraordinary job of doing that. Um, and, you know, the analogy I always use is, uh, you know, the ripening of fruit. You know, the fruit's not quite ripe yet. I think we're going to get there. There's going to be a, a moment where there's going to be a critical mass of people where they understand the value of this. There'll be a social context for them to do it. There'll be plenty of variety and choice for them to get entry into it. And that will cause something new to happen. That That's the vision that I'm sort of holding to, not with blind optimism, but just you know, rational observation of what's taking place. And, you know, I still think that there is an enormous amount of revel relevance for organizations like your own, mm. despite the fact that, you know, that you might appear archaic to some. Mm. There is such value in still catering to the boomers and the senior boomers. And it isn't necessarily your responsibility to be absolutely modernized to, to meet the demand of the 
in the greater world. But it is your responsibility to be in communication and in touch with what's going on so that if those people do walk in, <laughs> you're able to communicate and relate to them in a way that matches with their sensibility. So for the first time this whole half this whole afternoon, I have to disagree a little bit, is that yeah. we are obligated not to be archaic. And we are obligated to open our. That's our, not our, what I meant. No, no, no. I know what you mean, but no, I know, mm. I know exactly because it, it's. But it's it's important for us to transcend because I think at this point we have a lot of 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 opportunities for people to get this meditation, and it can be confusing. So places like ours kind of help educate for the first time mm. to get people in and keep people out. And when I say no, I didn't. I don't mean that it, it is an insult. I mean. We need to evolve as any other business evolves mm. to be more welcoming and accessible for anybody who is interested or curious yeah. about how to, um, and, and has no idea where to start. Yeah. Um, and that's where we're at right now. Yeah. To introduce them to you, mm -hmm. to introduce them to other ways of, of mm. exploring, um, their wellness, and yeah. their, their internal life. So all of us have to change. Those that have been around for a long time mm. and those who are newer and more technical. Yeah. Well, I mean, I agree with you entirely. And it's exciting, you know, because everything is changing. And, um, you know, I don't know enough about your organization to really make a, a comment on it. Um, and actually, I what I was meaning is just to be respectful for all the things that you have done that have been great. No, it wasn't until an insult. Oh, okay, great. No, but I mean, I think all of us, I think in these very precarious times that we mm. live in, as mm. you were so eloquently saying, uh, everyone, you know, from whatever position we are sitting in this world, you mm. know, offering these services, really has to be front and center and making them available and accessible. Yeah. Mm. Well, any way we can be of support in that pursuit. Yes. We'd love to you know, participate and collaborate with you. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Mm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Conversations like this are really wonderful because they reveal the bigger picture why we're seeing what's going on in the world right now. I'd like to underscore this principle of the realization of the unsustainability of the way that we're living that is one of the biggest catalysts for why we're seeing such a shift in relationship to the principle of personal development, holistic health, and well-being as a priority in the way that we live now. Special thanks to our show producers, Trevor Exter and Sean Tomlin, music by Ali. Special thanks to Andrea Stern for allowing us to record all of our sessions in her beautiful studio, and to all the One Giant Mind team. Thank you for listening and being a part of One Giant Mind. If you don't already, and you're interested in learning to meditate, an easy free way is to download the One Giant Mind Learn Meditation mobile app on iTunes or Google Play. The best way to learn, however, is from a teacher. And if you're interested in learning the One Giant Mind technique, email us at teachers at onegiantmind.com and we'll help you find a teacher in your area. If you're a passionate meditator and the idea of becoming a teacher is something that inspires you, consider becoming certified with the One Giant Mind Meditation Teacher Training Program that I've developed. The certification program is 100% online and can be done on your smartphone, laptop or tablet anywhere in the world. Teaching can be one of the most fulfilling experiences because you're having such a meaningful impact in people's lives. If you're interested in enrolling and would like to receive a special discount, email teachers at onegiantmind.com and mention the One Giant Mind podcast to get a great discount. 
Finally, if you enjoy our show, please share it with your friends and give us a review because it improves our rankings and helps others find this podcast. And I really hope you can join us for the next episode.